I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Recording? Recording. Wonderful. Should be recording. No, I'm just suspicious, but it's going to be fine. I once recorded over a Patrick Stewart exclusive about the X Men with BBC Radio 7. And, I once uh, failed to press record on Joss Whedon. Oh, fucking hell. Fun. Oh, my God. Did you primal scream loudly in your bedroom like I did? I was still with him in the room when I realised. Oh, God. It's almost worse. Welcome to Pop Culture, the podcast that brings soft drinks to the top of the menu. I'm Kat Brown, arts journalist, author and four years sober. And I'm Helen O'Hara, film journalist, author and lifelong teetotaler. Helen, what have you been up to this week? Well, this week we've been in Grazia. What? Oh my goodness! This is brand new information. Tell me more. Well, you must remember, Kat, we wrote the article a few weeks ago. Oh, my memory is just not one to play with. <laughs> but yes, we've basically written a piece discussing the same kind of things we do here on the podcast. Interesting soft drinks you might like to try, places that you can find them, talking about pairing them with foods and stuff, which I think is something that drinkers think about and talk about quite a lot. Have you ever been out for a meal without somebody trying to decide whether to have red wine or white wine based on what they're having for dinner? But we don't really talk about that with soft drinks, so so that's the kind of thing we got into in our article. And bless you for thinking that it only goes as deep as red or white, Helen. I, I'm, I'm very ignorant on this score, as you know, <laughs> but yes. No, it is. It, it's, a, it's a lovely article, says the woman that wrote half of it. Um, <laughs> But also we've put in essentially a Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat list of drinks, of restaurants, of places making their own exciting things. So if you want to go and try any of those, then it's almost just like a written version of the podcast Mm. and easier to try. It was very nice. And also, I should say, it's a really good issue of Grazia. I was trying to find our article and I kept getting distracted by other ones going, ooh, I do want some winter skincare, actually. Yes, please. I got really overexcited and took the magazine to my local pub quiz, which I actually did when I got a proof of of my book the other week and sort of took that out like it was baby's first week in the world. Um, But unfortunately, I was so busy photographing the bloody magazine that we did really badly in the pub quiz. I just was not paying attention at all. Ooh, I did use the mag, actually, as to sort of boost my attempts to try different drinks when I go to the pub quiz, because usually Mm. I just have a non-alcoholic beer and then maybe move on to, like, cordial and soda or have some tea or something like that. But they had some winter cocktail specials 
and I'm ashamed to say in an E for experience way, I got sucked into the £7.50 non-alcoholic drink. Well, no, that would be a fair price as discussed on this podcast if there's really good stuff in it. So what was in this one? It was Seedlip. Hmm, that's nice. To be fair, when it was a new thing I tried and wasn't wildly excited about. So it was... It was a seed lip and then it was um, a fever tree pink grapefruit mixer. And I do like fever trees mixers and I Mm. do sometimes have them on their own. But together it was just, it was quite watery. Oh no, that's a bit of a shame. So I didn't love that. Fair enough. I did try something new this week. So credit where it's due, my local Sainsbury's, it's a big Sainsbury's. So Mm. it's a bit of a treat to go there. Uh, But my local Sainsbury's had a sort of end of shelf display of 0% alcohol just for, I guess, dry January and and hopefully something they'll continue because it makes them much easier to find. But among the things on that display, there were some things that I have not particularly felt moved to try. So just non-alcoholic versions of of big alcohol drinks, you Mm. know, so non-alcoholic Gordons, non-alcoholic Captain Morgan. And they had a non-alcoholic Martini Vibrante, which advertises itself as being like orangey, but also not sweet orangey. We're talking like orange peel kind of stuff. And I thought it might be a little bit like Crudino, which we've talked about on this show before, which is that very popular Italian sort of non-alcoholic aperitif. So I brought a bottle home, had it with a bit of tonic, tried it on its own. It's a bit much on its own. It's very medicinal at that level. This does feel a bit like... You've taken a step from lightly flavoured sparkling water last week to just go, come on, non-alcoholic version of alcoholic drink this week. I may have stepped up a few too soon, too quickly. Yes, uh, it was quite nice once I got some sparkling water in there and kind of watered it down a bit. But yeah, it's, it's just quite an, an intense drink. This yeah. is not necessarily a disrecommendation, but just be prepared, you know. That said, as you've as you've gone and like spread your wings this week, I feel that I'm not going to hold back anymore, Helen. I'm not going to wait until some technical time in August or something to bring out a non-alc wine. Or but the, the time will come, maybe next week, and we'll find we'll find the re- right Absolutely. reason for that. So tell me, Helen, what are we going to drink today? Oh, look, I can't even lie. This was chosen purely on name alone. This is an M&S collection frizzanti. Yes, it is. A fizzy tea drink. <gasps> Gently fermented premium Darjeeling tea, delicate, with notes of peach and blackcurrant. A key word on there was brut, B-R-U-T, which is usually used in fizzy wines and champagnes to indicate something that's dry. Again, you know how I feel about that. Mm. I was slightly confused, though, because I like most sort of grown-up sparkling teas, I'm sort of used to perhaps being kombucha-based. And this does say there's a fermentation culture in there, but it doesn't say what culture so i'm sort of wondering if that's like the supermarket own brand version of coca-cola and this is essentially just sparkling tea cola drink okay okay yes because i'm not clear on where kombucha ends and fermented tea begins you know it feels like there's a there's room there but let's let's try some cheers oh it smells really nice i will say that it genuinely i'm smelling the fruit that i'm supposed to be smelling in the tea which is very exciting because usually when people say, you know, oh, it has notes of grass cuttings and rubber tires, I think they're crazy. Calm down, Jilly Golden. Well, exactly. Whereas this actually does smell of fruit. Yeah, and there is something kombuchery about it as well. Not quite in the same punch you in the nose way that kombucha usually has, but it's it's lighter, but it's mm. it's delicious. It is really nice. Mm. I've put these into proper nice glasses as opposed to. Well, I suppose what's the alternative? Children's plastic sippy cups. <laughs> but it is quite nice to have something. Do you want some more? Yes, please. Oh, oh listen to that fizz. <laughs> clink, clink, fizz. 
I don't think I even had an Alka-Seltzer for about 10 years after I first saw that advert, but it lives rent-free in my head. (laughs) Some adverts do. So have we got any questions, any messages from listeners this week? We did, and I completely failed to make note of any of them because (laughs) I've just been absolutely out of my tree with work this week. But thank you very much to everybody who's written, we will do, I say we, I will do a better job next time. But Helen, you had some pals who actually wrote in uh, with some questions, right? Yeah, I was I was talking about this in our in our WhatsApp group chat and a few people had questions for the, the podcast. So this one comes from Clarice Lockery, who's a, a fantastic film journalist for The Independent. And she asks, is it socially acceptable for adults to drink Shirley Temples? Now, we talked about Arnold Palmer's before. That's one drink, a non-alcoholic drink named after an American celebrity. Here is another. So Shirley Temple, is, as many listeners, but probably not all will know, was a massive child star in the sort of 1930s. At one point, she was the biggest star in movies. Whoa. No, you know, no um, limitations whatsoever. And she, and that was when she was about five. And she was an absolutely adorable Muppet with perfect curls, super cute on screen, super likable, won an honorary Oscar, and I think gave up acting in her teens pretty much. It was maybe one adult film, but basically she just was a bit too smart to want to try and stay a star forever mm. and went off and did more interesting things. Actually became a US ambassador at one point in her life. That's you know? amazing. Very serious, very serious woman. But the Shirley Temple, the story goes, it was developed for her so that they would have, you know, if the world's biggest star came into a Hollywood restaurant, the rumour is Chasen's, I've also heard the Brown Derby, that they would have something to serve this this child star. And the interesting thing is that Shirley Temple wasn't a fan. So this is this is a drink that is made with ginger ale, a splash of grenadine, and garnished with a maraschino cherry. What didn't she love about it? I mean, it sounds revolting. <laughs> well, that's essentially it. She said she was on a uh, NPR radio in 1986 and she said the saccharine sweet icky drink. Yes, well, those were created in probably the middle 1930s by the Brown Derby restaurant in Hollywood and I had nothing to do with it. But all over the world, I'm served that. People think it's funny. Oh. I hate them. They're too sweet. Like- I assume she means the drinks, not the people. I'm not sure. I'm sure that Shirley Temple, with her ambassador past, has got excellent diplomacy and decorum. But, God, if that was me, after the 50th time of somebody going, <laughs> Shirley Temple, you've got a drink, I would throw it in their face. I think she would be justified as well. In, in 1988, apparently, she, she actually had to file a lawsuit to prevent this drink being bottled and sold under her name. So, uh, so she really wasn't a fan. No. Um, so, yeah, there are versions that have lemon soda or lemonade or orange juice, I guess, instead of the ginger beer or ginger ale, rather. But, yeah, it, it, any way you look at it, it's going to be pretty sweet. This genuinely just sounds like something that I invented to make in a sort of dream cafe for my parents when I was about seven. I think my brother and I tried to flog them something called copal. And yes, that was literally just coke and apple juice. Do not recommend. (laughs) Also, just surely when you're five, you just want a milkshake or a lemonade and somebody going, here you go, here's something with a garnish. You're like, what's a garnish? Why would I want that? I mean, yes, but hear me out. If you are the world's biggest movie star at the same time, and this looks like more of a growing up drink, so it's kind of served in, are those kind of hurricane glasses? Those mm. those sort of glasses with the curve? I think they're a hurricane glass. They're served in those. You know, they look clear and bright and very red, thanks to, I guess, the grenadine. And also they have a very shiny maraschino cherry on top. So I can see if you were a girly girl and someone presented that to you, I can see it being being attractive at that age. And and honestly, I mean, in terms of Clarice's question, I feel like if you're an adult, go for your life. Why not have fun? Oh yeah, absolutely. And also maraschino cherries are due a comeback. 
What could be camper or more appropriate for now than just going, hello, I'd like a Shirley Temple? I know. I think it's, I think it, you're right. I think it's due a comeback. So yes, absolutely to Shirley Temple. So I have a second question here, which is from Sarah Cook, who is uh, an author. Her book Diary of Murders was published this uh, just last year, and it is extremely spicy, people. So do be uh, warned or alerted. I make no judgment. So she asks, is there a good non-alcoholic dry red wine? Now, Kat, I know this is something you've looked into. Well, firstly, Sarah, as I've basically read Akatar about 25 times in the last year, I will be buying your book immediately. Thank you very much for that. Secondly, the answer, my answer, as I'm sure your own research has shown, is no, sadly. Wanting to try and find a red wine that has that body, that oomph, that delicious middle to it that sort of keeps you drinking it in a lovely big glass in front of a fire in a pub or at home or something. It's just really difficult to find with non-alcoholic drinks. Unfortunately, that is somewhere where the alcohol is sort of kicking in. However, if we try and think about it in a different way, there are some people who are doing some really interesting things. I keep being served adverts for Wednesdays to Maine who have excellent reviews more widely. Uh, They do two types of of non-alcoholic wine, and this one is uh, called Sanguine, or perhaps in French, Sanguine. Sanguine, peut-être. Well, so long ago since I did my languages degree, it may as well not exist. Helen McGinn, who we had on for our New Year's episode, was also very much along the, eh, wine is still like the worst of all the non-alcoholic drinks. But she did really rate Zeno, which calls itself alcohol-liberated wine, which I rather love. That's a bit of flair. I just get the image of like alcoholic freedom fighters or something. Amazing idea. Do you hear the people drink? No, you don't. (laughs) The other option that she suggested was Torres, which I've definitely seen very commonly on the non-alc sections of big supermarkets. And uh, she really like flagged up their Naturio range. I think they've been going for like 20 years or something. And then for a, for a, I literally just picked this up off the internet, but I do love good housekeeping unashamedly. Um, good housekeeping's number one alcohol-free red wine is by Dibortoli, and it's called the very cautious one, Shiraz 0%. So Sarah, if you could very kindly just go and try all of those and report back <laughs> by next week's episode, I'll be delighted. Fantastic. So quite a lot on our to-do list in terms of trying all of these my goodness but we do have an exciting guest with us this week as well don't we but we do i was so excited to get the opportunity to chat to him helen sadly you weren't able to come Mm. due to kitchen gate you have been having a new kitchen fitted this week yes the lovely men from ikea are being lovely but also it's a nightmare and i don't recommend it no exactly but actually no i'm not going to say that that is the worst thing to say it'll be lovely when it's all over yeah so with childbirth (laughs) so with like lots of really crap things anyway it'll be fabulous I went along to go and speak to Professor David Nutt, who is essentially a heartthrob of science. Amazing. I learned about him through newspaper headlines years ago in about 2009. He was at the time and had been for about 10 years the government's drug czar. I'm still not sure what a czar is apart from outside of Russia. But he was in charge of sort of advising on drugs policy and that sort of thing. And he had written an article in which he had shown some research that basically ecstasy was less dangerous than horse riding. And I think the problem there is that there's horse riding and there's horse riding. Mm. There's like being led around by somebody on the end of a Shetland pony. And then there is eventing. There is serious business horse riding. I got into it to a lesser extent about 10 years ago. Mm. This Um, is horse riding, not ecstasy. (laughs) And um, uh, but yeah, and I never got good enough to have a 
you know, to get up those serious levels. But I fell off my horse into the sea and that was upsetting enough. You did. It was very funny. It was very funny. Thank God for GoPros. (laughs) But yeah, just the number of injuries, like Mm. serious, really unfortunate injuries from people who love horse riding, but doing it at high levels. um, It's, yeah, more so than ecstasy. But obviously this didn't wash with the government. Mm. It wasn't the messaging that they wanted. So Professor David was fired and set up a new company with a load of his colleagues who also jumped ship and joined him. And their organisation basically went into drugs research and analysing the dangers Dave, as he very kindly let me call him, has worked in all kinds of different areas around psychiatry over the years of his career. And one of the reasons why we were talking is because he's done loads of research, obviously on drugs, but also around alcohol. Like alcohol is delicious, but also in and of itself as ethanol like the form that, you know, we drink it as. He's been working in a really interesting area of not just trying to go, oh, alcohol's bad because, you know, spoiler, we know that, but trying to find like a really compelling alternative to that. Something that recreates like the functional aspects of alcohol, like the convivial aspects of it. One of the reasons why humans drink alcohol is oddly to feel closer to other humans. So last year I read in the Times a brilliant feature by the science editor Tom Whipple, really amusing and entertaining in which he tried this drink that David Nutt had been working on called Sentia. The idea being is it gives you that two drink buzz without there being like any risk. And yeah. So you're not going to you're not going to time your third drink wrong and then go a bit too far and feel terrible the next day. You're just going to stay at that two drink level. Is that the idea? Yeah, exactly. Amazing. And it takes maybe an hour or so to get out of your system. I tried it at an event last year. um, And again, it's not understandably recommended for people in recovery. And lots of people do have like strong feelings about not drinking anything that's even 0.5% like our frizzanti is, Mm. um, which is about sort of the alcoholic strength of a ripe banana. But I don't know, I, I get a buzz from caffeine, I get a buzz from sugar, and I was just really interested to see where this sat. And also that Tom Whipple article was bloody funny and very compelling. And I did, I did get that buzz. I felt more expansive, I felt chattier, I felt funnier, which obviously meant that I clearly wasn't. <laughs> Any anecdotes would have fallen dead flat. But what was really interesting was I came home like absolutely out of my tree with excitement and got my husband to try some and he does still drink alcohol and the effects on him were negligible oh interesting so they haven't done any research on on whether the effect on people who do still drink Mm -hmm. like mind altering or take any mind altering substances is different to that if you if you don't but yeah I, i really enjoyed it i'm not necessarily sure that i would drink it all the time but i think for anybody who does want to still have that feeling then you know go for your life i mean i've just sort of spent four years getting used to not having that feeling but it was very nostalgic in a nice way to have the desirable side of booze mm. back how fascinating wow yeah. can't wait to hear more from him here's cat talking to david nutt Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. With Sentia, you've really focused on making, I suppose, what's now described as a functional alternative to alcohol. Why was that and what led you there? Well, the story goes back really to my first day in medical school when I saw amongst my contemporaries and my peers the rather amazing deleterious effects of alcohol, escaping from home for the first time, you know, and 18-year-olds going out, getting drunk and having lots of problems. And as a doctor, every day in clinical practice, I see someone that's been harmed by alcohol. And actually, for the first, I suppose it was like 20 years of my research career, I was trying to find ways of reducing the harms of alcohol. But that's very difficult because the harms of alcohol are very, very diffuse. In fact, it harms almost every organ in the body. In 2005, when I was in favour with the government and leading the, um, the Department of Trade and Industries Foresight Programme, we spent a year brainstorming about how we could reduce the harms of drugs. And it came to us one day that maybe we could never block the harms of alcohol, then in which case we need to replace it. And I started thinking about that then, and I've been working on it ever since. So it's a 20-year program. And the first output of that is this drink called Sentia. And Sentia is a, a drink which is, targets the neurotransmitter in the brain called GABA, which is the primary target for low doses of alcohol. When people drink small amount of alcohol. In fact, most people drink alcohol to get a GABA effect because that's the effect that relaxes them and allows social interaction that um, is the main beneficial effect of drinking. We've essentially made a drink which contains herbs. It also it contains substances which promote the effects of GABA in the brain. And it does what it says on the bottle. It helps people relax and chill out and engage socially. It does. I tried it just on a whim going along with some colleagues. And I mean, I hadn't drunk alcohol in over four years and hadn't had anything more exciting than a, than a coffee mm. in that time. And it blew my mind. The effect was extraordinary. Does it have more of an effect on people that don't experience those brain changing chemicals more often? Well, we haven't studied that systematically because that's a very complex and expensive experiment to do. We don't have the resources. Yeah. People who drink commonly and maybe heavily tend to get less effect because we know that alcohol dampens down the GABA system. You get tolerance. And uh, if you're tolerant to alcohol, then you're going to be tolerant to sentient. But people like you who have been alcohol abstinent for more than a few weeks will have reset their GABA receptors. So you'll get the maximal effect. And as you described, it's an effect which is probably adequate for most people. Mm. Why do we need alcohol? But ethanol specifically, it's, it's not giving anything to us nutritionally. It's a poison. And yet I feel that my first 30 odd years on this planet would have well probably been a bit safer, but felt a bit more boring without it. What's the deal with booze? That's the fundamental question. And, and the deal is that humans are social creatures. The power and strength of humanity comes from us working together as tribes or now as communities and populations and we like to work with other people but at the same time we also have a degree of anxiety when we meet new people classic example is why do we go to parties we go to parties because we want to meet other people and meeting other people gives us all sorts of benefits not least you often find your mate 
at a party. But going to a party full of strangers, everyone knows that feeling of being a bit tense, a bit anxious. Uh, and that's a, actually an, a natural, inherited, you know, evolutionary, useful biological phenomenon. You know, it's better to be slightly apprehensive of other people than go blindly into a trap, for instance. But that anxiety gets in the way. And some people, you know, you know, won't even go out. Some people say anxious, they won't go leave their home. And so most people are a bit anxious in social gatherings. And alcohol, when it was discovered, was discovered to reduce that anxiety and promote social, uh, social interaction. And the majority of people drink simply for that reason. But the problem is, until Sentia, the only drink you could drink that would improve social interactions and reduce social anxiety was alcohol. And 10 to 15, maybe 20% of the people who population who drink, they struggle to keep within the levels which you need for just the socialization. And they tend to get into the other levels where you get disinhibition, addiction, hangovers, etc. And you can't avoid that if, uh, well, it's very difficult to avoid that because people try, but they fail. Given we drink it to be convivial and to oil the wheels, if you like, of sociability, how has the way that we use alcohol ended up with it being so harmful to other people? I mean, this is obviously going back a little bit now, but your organisation, Drug Science, when you did mm-hmm. a study of all sorts of different drugs, yes, some of the famous street drugs came out top mm-hmm. in terms of individual harm, but mm-hmm. alcohol was top overall and one of the top for for the most harm to other people. That feels completely contradictory. Yeah, um, well, I think the, the reason... <laughs> that alcohol still exists in most societies is not as prominent in in islamic societies although we still know uh, muslims drink the reason it exists despite the harms is because it does give benefits if it didn't give benefits it would have disappeared because the majority of people who drink alcohol are not dependent they're not drinking it because they have to deal with withdrawal or cravings they're drinking it because they enjoy the effect Talk to me about GABA, because you've been part of this since I understand your supervisor pretty much discovered it in the early 70s. Is that correct? My tutor at Cambridge was a guy called Jimmy Mitchell, and he was one of the the physiologists who discovered that the brain is a chemical organ. Up to that point, it was thought that the brain was uh, an electrical organ, that it was uh, essentially like a ginormous computer. Well, we didn't have computers in those days. In those days, the analogy was a phone uh, system, you know, the the network interchange for a a telephone exchange. Lots of plugs going into sockets and electrical connections. And then he and many others worked out that actually communication between neurons was not electrical, it was chemical. And the on switch of the brain is a chemical called glutamate. And the off switch is what he discovered is a chemical called GABA. And those two are balanced. You have to have a perfect balance. If you have too much glutamate, you become hyperactive and you have seizures. And if you have too much GABA, you fall asleep. So you have to have this balance. And this balance actually in evolutionary terms is remarkable because GABA and glutamate are one step away in the metabolic and energy metabolic pathway, which is found in all organisms. So GABA goes back to the very, very first life forms and glutamate does too. And what's happened is they've slowly been adapted from being parts of the energy cycle to being neurotransmitters. But whenever you make glutamate, you will always make GABA. So there's always that balance. So it's very easy to protect the brain from too much excitation by releasing GABA. I was fascinated to see that unlike, well, pretty much any other neurotransmitter I can think of, dopamine obviously being the one that's getting the most press at the moment, Mm. that GABA can be used in food and drink. How does that work? Every cell in the functional cell 
in any life form contains GABA, right? So the kind of, you know, you, anything you eat has got GABA in it. Um, but also GABA turns out to have this, not just this metabolic role, but also, and most of the GABA is in the cell doing metabolism, but it also has been adapted and it started being adapted in very early organisms as a signaling molecule. And so it, it can be released to make small, you know, single cell organisms move towards each other. It can be used in plants. When a plant is attacked by an insect, it starts to release GABA to communicate between the cells and possibly between other plants it's being attacked. And in humans, it, it's released to essentially control the complex activity, which is the whole of the brain. Sentia isn't about taking GABA in. It's unclear as to whether GABA in food would get across into the blood and get into the brain. We think that doesn't happen, or it happens at a, at a very low level. The Sentia is a drink which contains molecules which modulate the effects of GABA. And that gets, that's why I raised the, you know, the uh, explanation with you about plants releasing GABA. Plants release GABA as a trophic communicator, but they also make many molecules which enhance the effects of GABA, probably to make the GABA they release do more. And we, the plants we use in Sentia are chosen because they have these GABA activators or these molecules which increase the effects of GABA. And when they get in the brain, they make brains GABA work a bit more effectively. That was what I thought was happening. Well, certainly, as you explained, it was Sentia. And then when I was looking up about GABA labs a little bit more and finding out that Japan is starting to, over the last few years, bring out GABA food and drinks and that sort of thing, that from the description seemed to be a little bit like how we describe drinks and supplements with CBD in over here, the idea that they're sort of relaxing and everything. Would drinks with GABA in sort of count as a, a functional drink in the same way as Sentia, or is it just more, it's a great I don't question. know, it's relaxing? An interesting question. I've tried it. I don't think GABA, GABA works <laughs> when I've tried it. It's very popular in Japan, and it's, you can get, even get GABA chocolates. I was quite a bit sceptical about this for a long time because of what I've said just a minute ago, that we know that GABA struggles to get into the brain. In fact, it doesn't really get into the brain. But... And this is where the whole story becomes quite interesting. This is something I've learned in the last few years. I didn't realize quite how important GABA was in the gut because I'm a brain scientist. You know? yeah. But there's actually a lot of nerves in the gut. And it turns out that the nerves in the gut also can be responsive to GABA. Uh, they have receptors on them, similar GABA receptors to the receptors in the brain. So it's possible that when you take GABA in, in foodstuffs or as a supplement you are stimulating the nerves in the gut and the nerves in the gut of course go into the brain because they don't just control the activity of the gut gut nerves send signals to the brain so it is possible that GABA in the diet might have a brain effect and there was an interesting Japanese paper just a couple of years ago proper scientific study suggesting there was an effect which I presume is through the gut nerves rather than through the brain but then there's another even more interesting twist to this is that you've probably heard of the microbiome. Endlessly. Yes, quite, quite. Well, it turns out, and this is something I'm learning about at a rapid pace, many of the beneficial bugs in the microbiome utilise GABA or other GABA-active substances. They can be turned on by GABA-acting substances. And so it may be that GABA promotes gut health as well, as well as giving you relaxation in the brain. We have not yet proven that sentia promotes gut health. We are writing grants and setting up studies to do that at present. So I don't want to make that claim, but it, it is very interesting how much 
of the good microbiome seems to be GABA dependent. A new project, a new product that you have been working on for quite some time and which is obviously still under development and testing and trials and everything. Can you tell me about Alcarel? Yes, so Sentia is the first rung in a ladder which will take us eventually to a concept we call Arcarel. And the idea of Arcarel, and it's a, it's a little bit of a pun really, it's a, Arcarel is to alcohol what Candarel is to sugar. Oh, very good. A Candarel, you put Candarel in, if you like sweet taste, you put Candarel into your drinks so you can get the taste without the calories. And Arcarel is uh, a vision which we're in the process of um, trying to realize we have invented a small molecule similar sort of size bit bigger probably than alcohol which you can put into any drink you like into any mocktail drink you like but will give you a functional effect like alcohol the similar low functional effects of sentia so it's not going to get you drunk or intoxicated because it won't work on those other systems that alcohol works on to get you blind drunk it'll only work on the GABA system at a low level to give you a functional effect. And uh, we've invented molecules that do that. And we're now in the process of making what is actually quite a big decision because to take a small molecule and put it through the food safety regulations will cost many millions of pounds. So we want to make sure we get the right molecule before we get investors to cough up to do that. But if we get this Arcarel molecule through food testing, then it, it could be an ingredient. And we could basically license it to any drinks company in the world, whether you're making non-alcoholic beer or wine or, or amazingly, you could even put it into, and we've done these experiments, you can put it into liquids which taste like whiskey or brandy. There are these ersatz flavorings of whiskey, brandy, et cetera, that, you, that they use for catering, which don't have alcohol in them. You can, you can take a rum flavor and you can add Arcarel and you, you'd have a, have a non-alcoholic rum. You have a second rung in the ladder of the functional drinks before we even get to Alcarel which was Gabir, which I think I tried in non-alcoholic beer, in non-alcoholic fizz, and in a couple of other things. And the extraordinary thing about it was that it almost felt as though it was adding, it was filling a hole that the drink sort of lacked before it. Something that might have been quite thin and not tasteless, but not very exciting, suddenly became really punchy. Can you tell me more about this? Sentia comes in two forms, comes in red and black, and we're having another one called Gold released later this year. It's a bit more of a sort of summery drink. But the next stage, it's called Gabir. And, and what we've done there is we've taken the key GABA activating ingredients from Sentia and we've put them into essentially a shot. And it does a number of things. It obviously has the functional effect that it has if you drink it in Sentia. But when you put it into non-alcoholic drinks, it does two other things. The first is it, it gives flavor. So it, it makes the beer and strangely, interestingly, that often the wine tastes better. And it also gives you a bit of a mouthfeel. Mm. And that's one of the things... What, Alcohol, non-alcoholic drinks are very challenging because they don't, they're basically just like lemonade, aren't they? They don't have a mouthfeel, whereas Gabir can be both functional and give you more of that ex oral experience that you get from drinking, which of course is, you know, for, for most people is a significant aspect of the, um, of the consumption of alcohol. Where are we at with Gabir potentially coming to market? Gabir and Sentia, they're all food grade ingredients and yep. they're all made of the, the amounts we put into the individual aliquots, the individual servings, are compliant with current food safety levels. So 
we don't need approval because they're essentially their foodstuffs. You know, we're hoping to get support from uh, Innovate UK because we think this is could be really quite a big commercial success. It could could help UK PLC stake its claim to be the world leaders in this kind of technology. So mm. we're um, trying to get funding from the government to help co-develop it with us. But we're hopeful maybe within a year or so we'll be ready to start doing the oh, problem. testing. Celebrate the fact you are absolutely there at the very beginning of this new technology. It made everything even more delicious, so I'm thrilled by that. And Sentia Gold coming this summer. That's yes. very exciting. On another note, sort of still whirling around with brains, you spent 20 plus years working with people with ADHD. And I'm just wondering what you noticed about their relationship with alcohol and self-medication. Yes, well, it's complex, of course, because most people think that ADHD is simply a disorder of attention and, and concentration, but it's also a, a disorder of self-regulation. So, uh, and also, many people with ADHD have anxiety and depression as well. So, it's like most mental illnesses; it's not a single monotonic phenomenon. So, um, sorry, that's my wife shouting at the dog. What do we know about ADHD and drinking? Well, we know a number of things. We know that people with ADHD often are, are relatively sensitive to alcohol. They can be perhaps more vulnerable to, to using it, partly for anxiety reduction, but also because they do struggle with self-regulation, they can have difficulties in controlling their drinking. And so it is a risk factor. It's a significant risk factor in drinking more than people want to drink. You mentioned earlier that most soft drinks and non-alcoholic drinks to you taste like lemonade or similar. And I'm wondering, do you have any non-alcoholic drinks that you particularly enjoy? Any that have sort of made the cut? For a while, while we were developing Sentia, I was quite interested in these very low alcohol versions of martinis, these very low alcohol vermouths as the base of mixers and that plus, say, a tonic water. Was, that actually gave us quite a bit of confidence that what we were doing would make sense because Sentia by itself, if you drink it, it actually has quite a strong, complex taste and most people drink it with mixers. And, and that's an int- that's a sort of precedent that's been set with these low alcohol vermouths in the past. So until we had Sentia, that's what I was drinking. Another thing that's really struck me is, I'm sorry to bring this up again, but it was such an iconic line. When in 2009, you were supposedly ditched by the government for that excellent stat about more people being harmed by horse riding than ecstasy. Is there anything that you would prefer that people had taken away from your time working with the government then, apart from that, you know, very eye-catching stat? Or is that still something that you think is the, the biggest takeaway? No, my biggest contribution is the scale of harms, the, the graph you referred to, which showed that alcohol was at the, at the most harmful, <laughs> largely because it's the most widely used drug. And uh, that's actually not only my most influential publication, it was published in the Melbourne, referenced over 2,000 times in other papers, but it also, interestingly, the the European Department of Justice funded a, a replica study in, with European experts, and that came to the same conclusions. And then subsequently, both Australian experts and just very just last year, New Zealand experts repeated the whole process and came to the same conclusion. So in all Western societies, where alcohol is, is freely available, it is the most harmful drug because it is so widely used. And, and it's widely used for the reasons we discussed earlier, because most people enjoy it and most people get something positive from it. But what we've got to think about are those that 15 to 20 percent of people who suffer consequences. And, and, you know, we won't get rid of the use of alcohol. But what we've tried to do with Gabba Labs and Sentia is is develop alternatives so that people can get what, as I say, what most people want without putting themselves at the risk of the harms of alcohol, like dependence or liver toxicity, etc.
That's an amazing note to end on. Thank you so much. That was amazing. I feel like I've got several science books to read now as a result. Science books, yes, but his books are actually, to use that terrible word, accessible. Love by it. which I mean, like, you can actually read them without mm. falling asleep or desperately going to sort your laundry or something like that. I just love him. And I don't mean love him in a patronising, oh, an older gentleman who's very successful and charming sort of way. I love what he's doing. I love his entire ethos. And I think we are truly lucky to be living in a time in which we coexist alongside Professor David Nutt. And I'm also definitely going to go and get us a bottle of Sentia. Yes. Whether we wait until the summer to try the new one or I just prepare some dark and stormies with it. But I think that would be nice. Also, because I've never heard you giggly about anything that isn't an actor from Supernatural (laughs) or a really good afternoon tea. Hey, hey, I'm not giggly about the actors in Supernatural. It's the characters in Supernatural I'm in love with. Very different thing. Call me Dean Winchester, even if you don't exist. It's fine. I'm up for trying anything. I feel like this is, for me at least, this is one of the main points of this podcast is to broaden my horizons beyond Diet Coke and Elderflower, press A, and try some new things. It'll be fun. Yeah, and I feel like I've been patronising you, Helen, in (laughs) holding you back, just protecting you from the dangers of non-alcoholic beer. Well, here I am drinking a 0.5% fizzy tea, you know. Switz swoo. What next? Well, 0.2% something else? Who good knows? God. Well, look, if you've got anything that you'd like us to try in our, in our weekly tasting sessions, please drop us a line at popculturedrinkspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram where we're at popculturedrinkspodcast. Helen and I are also on Twitter. By all means, just message us directly there. We don't have one for the podcast because, frankly, life is too short. Yeah, we were setting up so many accounts already, it seemed like enough. We've also got a lovely bookshop front where you can shop all our favourite books about non-alcoholic things, including by us, by Professor David Nutt, by more of our guests, and just people that we like and think are amazing. Yeah. So if you go to bookshop.org and search in the shops for Pop Culture Soft Drinks Podcast, you will find us there. And that is it for this week's episode. Do consider, of course, subscribing or leave us a lovely five-star review on your podcast provider of choice. And we will be back here next week for more Soft Drinks chat when we have a very exciting episode oh god you're really gonna hate us you are but you know what it's worth risking a little hate for this one helen no keep drinking sign off what's happening with that i feel like i still need to work on our slogan if you have ideas for slogans by all means hit me up as well but really it's still a work in progress okay we'll we'll keep going i'm bloody glad to hear that (laughs) have a lovely week everybody see you soon (laughs) cheers deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.